Hello and welcome back to another episode of Box to Box. I'm Alex Perry alongside Akshay Woodwani, Jeff Isahauser, and Jesse Levine. We are back after an international break and after I failed to upload our last episode on time. So to our five listeners a week, I sincerely apologize. But lots of breakdown and let's dive right in, starting with the World Cup draw. And I don't want to go in alphabetical order. I think I want to start with the United States. We are back in the World Cup, back on the big stage. And in our group, England, Iran, and potentially um, who, who, who are the other two teams that could so play? So Scotland. From a playoff. Scotland yeah. or... Scotland play, play Ukraine, and the winner play the Gareth Wales. And the winner of that goes in. So, so Wales is kind of one step into our group and Scotland and Ukraine have to play each other for the other step. Uh, and obviously because of the situation in Ukraine, those, uh, the first game will be taking place, I believe in uh, Glasgow in June. And then the second game, if it were to happen, um, is already locked in to be Cardiff in June. So both of those games coming up in June. And Alex, this is so unlike you. I mean, I know you're a U.S. men's national team fan second, but what about Italy's group? Um, well, they have taken the moral high road and they are abusing the human <laughs> rights protests, uh, the human rights abuses in Qatar. And as a matter of fact, they even took the added measure of not even showing up to, to the qualifier against North Macedonia. So, you know, that, that's, that's their excuse. It's the only possible fucking explanation for how they would have lost to North Macedonia. Now, the other explanation would be that that particular North Macedonian player, um, he played for the Italian team who uses the stadium they played in pretty consistently and has scored that exact goal like three or four times in his career. So there was I I saw a clip on Reddit of of the same player uh, who's played in the Italian league for most of his career, scoring the exact same goal like three or four other times. Uh, the same spot of the field, same low driven shot into the far corner. And I mean, honestly, uh, Portugal are the bad guys, right? Should have let North Macedonia go to the world cup uh, on Italy, on Italy. What what I would say, it's hard to really pin this on anything other than just their players choking. Like I'm not really seeing any issues with like the Italian system and how the players are brought up because, you know, they did just win the euros when they failed to qualify in 2017, you could see that the players were getting older, that their style of play was clearly outdated, that sort of um, conservative defensive approach just just wasn't really working. It was almost as if the game had moved on. But, you know, in, in the Euros, we, we saw them adapt, play more expansive football, while also honoring their defensive roots because they were very solid at the back um, throughout the Euros. You know, you had the younger players like Chiesa, who, you know, was the start of the Euros, but has been, has been out for the past couple of months. Um, you know, Immobile, not spectacular, but guys like Verratti, Locatelli, um, Jorginho, all performing. And, you know, in, in the World Cup and the, the qualifiers, I, I think it's just a matter of choking. I don't, I don't really think it's, it's really much of a deeper issue um, the way it was in 2017 or the way it was uh, with the United States in 2017, for example. Um, and that's gonna... really all I have to say. And, and honestly... I was prepared for this because they were in an excellent position in the group and they, they fucked up first place in the group and it looked, you know, very likely that they would end up finishing, would end up topping the group. Was that um, Serbia? The same yeah, who ended up topping the group? It's something you have to prepare for. I'm sorry, Jeff. Was that Serbia who ended up top of their group? No, they weren't in the same. That was Switzerland. That's the group they were in? 
Yeah, Jorginho missed Switzerland, who topped the both okay. games against Switzerland. I know he missed a penalty in one game. Um, but yeah, his, his record from the spot when, when we needed him was not spectacular as well. So. Alex, I actually I don't fully agree with that take at all about Italy. I think in terms of the system, um, in terms of them just, you know, it's down to the players. I agree it's down to the players. But I don't think the, this team is that good. Like I don't think they're good enough to beat North Macedonia. They're good enough to win. Of the course, group. of course they are. That. But in terms of them being at a position to, you know, even have to play, you know, have a you know, have a World Cup playoff um, for them. I mean, besides, besides for Donnarumma, I think George, you know, Jorginho is good. I, I think he got a little bit overhyped with all the championships that he won last year. Verratti's very good. Immobile's past his prime. Isn't it Insigne going to? The MLS, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but Insigne shouldn't be like, MLS. He's well, he's well good enough to play on. I, on a I understand that, but but this team isn't. Yeah, but they're phenomenal. better than Switzerland, Jesse. They're better than Switzerland. They should be topping. But a group this isn't. But this isn't. Who the, Switzerland this isn't better? I mean, how many Switzerland oh. players get into the Italy lineup? That's the question you have to ask. I'm Alex. I understand. It, it, it depends. It depends. Oh, There's oh, an important Jesse. question: Is Jaka no, on a red no, no, card no. suspension or not? <laughs> <laughs> Only when he plays for Arsenal. Alex, my point is that the fall off of the Italian team and the standards that Italy have are very, should be very different because the talent just isn't the same. They're not a top 10 talent. I don't think tops at least seven talent in the world anymore. They're probably not top 10. So when we look at their lineup, is it, should they be in the World Cup? Of course they should be course but are they very good as a team anymore no they're not they're not very good as a team anymore so what i'm saying is that i'm not saying that the fact i think maybe the fact that they you know wouldn't be in a position to to challenge for like the world cup had they actually qualified or the fact that on paper they're not as talented as they once were that's down to the system what i'm saying is not making into the world cup is not really down to how italian football is run there's that that's sort of the the point that i'm trying to make here you know I, there are issues within the Italian football system that they have to address, but I, I don't think the fact that they made that they failed to qualify for the second successive World Cup, as crazy as it sounds, is um, it, it sort of reflects that. We do have to talk about uh, the teams that are actually going to the World Cup. That that would be an important thing to do. But let's let's not forget that this isn't a new thing for Italy having problems with the World Cup. Since 2006, when they won it, which, by the way, that win was a lot of uh, it was a lot closer uh, in terms of all the individual results leading up to it than I like. Obviously, you know, they won it, but everything was close all the way to the end. And since then, 2010, uh, two draws and a loss um, that include not being able to take more than a single point away from New Zealand, um, losing on the final day to Slovakia to not go through. Uh, and then making the finals of the 2012 Euros and then showing up to, to Brazil in 2014 and being sent home in two days as well, or in, in two games as well. Like, uh, just a huge problem. I mean, to be in a group with England and Uruguay and Costa Rica and to finish, you know, fourth, basically uh, <laughs> tied with England at the bottem, uh, losing to Costa Rica and Uruguay. Like, this is a T. Te- well, that, the, a- the game against Uruguay is very controversial because Marquezio should not have been sent off that game and Suarez should have been when he bit Chiellini. So, uh, you know. That, uh, that, listen, you can cry uh, as much as you want. That That's one game out of a stretch of not having one. Of three. We're talking about the tw- we're talking about the group series of the World Cup. It's one game out of three. Where they were it's one game out of six. And had they it been were nil-nil, 
Had it been nil-nil, they're going through to the knockout stage of the stock game. Okay, again, we're talking about now six group stage games where they've got, all, you know, all they've got is a win against England, which is a joke anyways, because that's a joke of a nation. But um, other than that, I mean, one win in six group stages since 2006 is an absolute dark mark on the you Italian national team. One, you say one win in six group stage games. I say unbeaten in knockout World Cup football for... In, from 2000 for 20 years, <laughs> 20 years, they will have been unbeaten in knockout stage World Cup football. I don't see any other top nation rivaling that. So, all right, let's uh, let's get to the let's note, get to the actual group. Yeah, actually, in in this though. So so, uh, I mean, we'll start with Group B because that's where the Americans are. Anyone realistically think they're not finishing second in this group? I think there's a chance they don't finish second. I mean, I've said a lot. Uh, yeah. Okay. Not, yes, they can. Uh, they can get a run. We already know Iran is not to be underestimated. They are uh, absolutely to be underestimated. Watch me underestimate them. <laughs> a team that I, holds Argentina to a single last-minute wonder strike by Lionel Messi in the prime of his career, in the prime of most of those Argentinian players' careers, I think. And that was that was almost a decade ago. So I think Iran's – Even in the know, 2018 World Cup, it was very respectable, their performance. Was, yeah. Against Spain, against Portugal. I Even mean, World I mean, Cup regulars. They've been World Cup regulars. They'll put up a respectable performance. The the, the U.S. expect to win that game. Uh, and, and let's not forget that we have some recent group stage history of um, England struggling to beat Scotland in a game. It's not like, you know, this group is England's to win kind of outright. They're still going to have to earn it against three teams that are going to come to play with grudges against England. I mean, if Iran wants to make a name, it's going to be beating on England and USA for what we've done in that region, particularly USA over the last, I don't know, 60 years. Hey, Iran beat Ma- North Macedonia 3-1, so um, cl- yeah. clearly got yeah. No, just look, here's the thing with Iran is the the talent that they have is obviously nowhere near. Um, but I think in any soccer game, when you're dealing with professionals, potentially just the idea of playing back, playing back, playing back, and countering, um, you always have to not take opponents lightly. Um, the U.S. team's good, but they're, I mean, they're not, they're not incredible. They should be going second, but in terms of the teams that are still available in Scotland, Wales, and what's the third one again? Ukraine. Ukraine. Which yeah. would you think is the easiest and the toughest opponents for the U.S. or any or any of the rest of the teams? So I think the best opponent for the U.S. is Scotland, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the United States having to play Scotland. It has everything to do with England having to play Scotland, and that's a place where England can drop points. I think they're roughly the same difficulty, those three teams. I Really, I don't want to see Wales, and I know they have one foot halfway in because they get to play the winner of Ukraine and Scotland. But I don't want to see Wales because I don't want to have to deal with the fact that Gareth Bale can pull something. He can have a World Cup moment that's special. Uh, I don't know if Wales is qualified for a World Cup in his professional career. So he might be looking to, on his way out into retirement, you know, stamp an iconic moment into, you know, into his career highlights. And I'd rather that not be against us. So, and, and Ukraine, obviously, you never want to play someone who has uh, something more to play for. I think about, you know, some of those Houston teams uh, the last couple of years, particularly their baseball team. Yes, obviously they were cheating, but, you know, some motivations after uh, the natural disasters. I think about the Saints, you know, their first season back after Katrina and they go win the Super Bowl. You never want to play a team when there's uh, or Japan in the 2015 Women's World Cup. There are just times when nations rally around their teams 
And God, I don't want to have to fight against everything that's going to be uh, going on in, in the Ukraine situation. So I, give, I, give me Scotland. I think that's a good point there, Jeff. And, uh, you know, Wales also has you know a few halfway decent players outside of Bale. Daniel James is not a bad player. Aaron, Aaron Ramsey, if you look at his top five goals of all time, probably better than almost anyone out there, including some of the top players. Seriously, look up probably his top five goals. It's about as good as Giroud's is. Ben Davies is not a bad player either. So I agree with you. And then not, not to mention look- Liverpool, not to mention Liverpool legends Joe Allen and Nico. Joe Williams. Allen, good point. Okay, the Welsh Shavi. Let's uh, come on. So let's show but, some respect. Yeah, I, I mean, and outside of Scotland, I mean, Tierney and Robertson are great players. But outside of that, I think they have not too many talents there. So agree with you, Jeff, on Scotland probably being the easiest choice there. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think for the United States, you want Scotland, and then plus, you know, there's the England Scotland component as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, the rest of these groups, I feel uh, it, it may or may not be necessary to go through all of them. I think everyone's pretty aware of them. I'll run through them quickly, and then I'm going to ask you guys um, of the of the big teams in each of these groups, which team, which big team do you think is most likely to go home early to not make it out of the group stage? Because we have a pretty decent tradition of one of, at least one of the powerhouses uh, going home out of the group stage. And so we've got Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands, England, Iran, the U S and that European playoff we've been talking about Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland, France, a playoff that is very likely to be Peru. Denmark or Tunisia, Spain, a playoff that is likely to be Costa Rica, but could also be New Zealand, Germany, and Japan, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon, and then finally, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. I would say Which, if, if there's anyone, I, I, I think the the, the country, and I, again, I don't think it's likely, that st- strikes me the most um, as, as possible to, to go out is Croatia. Um, obviously, they're in a group with Belgium, who are you know still a top team, even if FIFA overhypes them in their rankings. Um, but lots of talent in that Belgian side. And Canada have been almost pretty much flawless uh, in this World Cup qualification campaign. You know, yeah, they haven't had the toughest of opponents, but... I don't think anyone's expected to be, you know, this impressive. So I think they have an upset in them. The World Cup group stage is three games. So one upset, one draw, defeat could be very costly um, to them or possibly Uruguay um, being in a group of Portugal, never easy. Um, and then, you know, South Korea is and in Ghana are both World Cup regulars. Ghana wasn't in the last one, um, if I can if I'm remembering correctly. But, you know, those are sides that have shown that they can upset teams and challenge some of the top teams in recent years. So, yeah, I think it's going to be, for me, Uruguay or Croatia. Akshay, who's your who's your spicy take to leave early? I'm staying on the group age subject. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think Portugal. Um, See, that, now we're them, talking. Yeah, now we're, I, you know, watching them play uh, football over these World Cup qualifiers, it's just, it's super uninspired. Uh, it's it's there doesn't seem to be a really cohesive offensive game plan in Portugal, really, uh, even going back before then to their to their Euro 2020 performance. But um, it's really just a team that looks lost offensively, doesn't really know what to do other than rely on moments of magic from Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo, pretty much even the likes of guys like Diogo Jota haven't really been doing anything impactful for them. Um, and, you know, their defense has shows holes. It's it's old. 
It's a mixture of old guys and young guys who don't really, I think, fit into the chemistry of that defense yet. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think Portugal has just as much of a chance of going out as uh, as any of these teams. It's it's wild that that a team like that is is as like with his. I mean, you were saying like it's relying on moments from uh, Bruno and Ronaldo, who, by the way, finally were able to connect with each other in the last qualifying game against North Macedonia. It, it's weird. They've also they've almost been operating in isolation while they've been with Portugal. But to have guys like Trao Felix, Diogo Jota, uh, Bernardo Silva. Uh, oh, that tier of player just basically, you know, not being able to do anything to me, it speaks to that, that coaching staff, because I was going to say, uh, the, and I, I believe, has to go. I'm sorry. And, and he had like, if, if they were smart, they're not going to get rid of their coach before the world cup, but if they were smart, they would, they would get rid of him right now. They'd play the nation's league with a new coach to get him figured out and they'd get everyone going. But Jesse, who do you think could be our surprise exit nice and early? Well, I was going to say, I was going to say that. And I just want to stay on the topic of Portugal for a second, but because you did say Portugal, I'll give a new team. Um, it's not just the offensive firepower. They have some of the best defenders in the world. They have what I've been saying is the best wing back in um, Cancelo, Joe Cancelo, uh, maybe the best center back in Ruben Diaz, an excellent midfielder in Ruben Neves, jo- uh, Jose Sa in goal. Um, it's a lot uh, at right back. I mean, there's a lot of talent on this team. So um, Renato Sanchez is no is, is a quality player as well. Andre Silva's not bad. I mean, there's so much talent here. Um, Nelson Semedo. So sometimes, though, throwing a bunch of players on a team isn't always the, you know, they're just talent. Doesn't always work. And we spoke about this with PSG. Is that how PSG just tried to throw players on a team and see it work? Sometimes the players just don't mesh. And if I look at this team, I don't really see some aspects of a team that I, that I really want is, you know, where's a, where's a really strong number six? Um, where is a defender that's really good on the ball that plays long balls here? Um, you have the creativity. There's enough speed down the wings with Shota, enough with, with Jao Felix if he plays, but there's just, there's something missing with this team where they just don't have all the aspects there. And at times too many players that kind of do the similar things. Um, I'm going to go with a shock though for you guys. And that's Spain. Not the shock. I thought you were going to go with, uh, and I've got Which, two more that'll, I got two more that'll get you spicy, but I want to hear first why Spain might struggle with their so group of Germany, Japan, and then likely Costa Rica. Yeah. So here's the thing with Spain. They, they, they look, they should go through. I think Germany have a very good team. If they lose to Germany to start off with, this, the front three of Spain are really just mediocre. Ferran Torres is a good player. Morata, we've talked about, just is an average striker that has been a journeyman that has never really found a spot. Um, Sarabia, okay. N- no one's that special on this front three. And if they give up a goal, if their defense isn't at their best, if their midfield's not controlling the game with Pedri, um, Busquets, and others, there's a chance that they drop a goal behind. They don't have the offensive star power to bring it back if teams sit just sit and, uh, and park the bus in the back. So I don't think I don't think they're going to get it, but I think that that would be the team that if their defense collapses just one time, they don't have the star power to get it back. 
I'll, I think you're right. I think they play a style that definitely allows for some nil-nil draws um, that might turn into like, you know, a, a nil-nil draw and then a shock loss. Um, and then suddenly you're staring at one point going into the third game. Um, and, and that's that's a tough spot to be in, you know, needing a must win. Uh, but I'll throw out two that I think are, are worth mentioning uh, just because uh, the first one, Peru is no slouch. This Denmark team is pretty good. And and Tunisia, while not being special, is not, you know, it's not the easiest pot for team you could get. So I'm going to I'm going to toss out that the World Cup winners are in danger of going out in the groups as they have been for pretty much the last couple of World Cup cycles. I mean, you, you want to ask Spain how how defending their title was in Rio when they went home after two games. You want to ask Germany how defending their title was when Neuer tried to play in the midfield. Right. It's hard to defend a World Cup title because 31 nations are showing up with a bite and a drive and a desire to win a World Cup. And one nation is showing up trying to defend it and trying to do it with players that might, you know, might be taking the moment a little uh, less impactfully. Right. These are players that have already won it already. They might not have that biting edge to them. So France, obviously, as any returner, you know, maybe it's just around. Is this France team really as good now as it was in 2018? The answer has to be no for me. The only player who's gotten better is Mbappe, I would say. That's that's a fair point, but I don't think there's been a huge drop-off. I think Conte's still incredible. Griezmann's still incredible. Mbappe's still incredible. Benzema's still incredible. Um, Who they didn't have in uh, Russia when they won it. It basically, you know, a one-for-one replacement of, of Dembele in terms of the starting lineup. Otherwise, you expect to see a very similar starting lineup. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that, Alex. I also think you bring up Dembele first time. He's really looking like the player that was worth $100-plus million um, that Barcelona spent for him. Benzema, one of, you know, probably, you could argue, most informed striker right now outside of Mbappe in the world. And obviously, they have Mbappe. Conte's still at it. Pogba playing for France is, has always been better than the, playing for his club, it seems. So, no, I, I think that they're just as good. But right. I do if, agree if, with if that. If you look at Varane, Varane hasn't been performing as well. Um, you know, oh, Varane's he's been certainly hurt. not the player he was in 2018. He's been pretty poor these past couple of years. Mtiti's nowhere near the same quality. I'm sorry? By the way, Mtiti's nowhere near as good as he was in 2018 either. Injuries have derailed. pretty much lost his starting spot to Presnel Kimpembe, which tells you all you need to know about his form. Wait, who is this, Akshay? Sorry. Uh, Umtiti. He has pretty yeah. much lost his starting spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Dembele, yes, he's gotten better, but he's still not the caliber of players you would associate with a World Cup winning team, right? They're not going to win the World Cup because of anything Dembele does. He might contribute, but he's not, you know. But they don't need to. They, they, they have Kylian Mbappe. They're not going to get very far. They, they still have Kylian Mbappe. Like, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, him. Well, that's the point. Like, uh, Dembele is irrelevant. He's improved, but he's not really. I mean, on that, on the subject, who is their center back pairing? Because Varane's, Varane's health is questionable. Although, you know, the World Cup's not till the end of the year. So that's, you know, up in the air. I, uh, I would expect it to be Varane who, and then. Like, I, I think it's a dice roll of. Himself? I think it's a dice roll of PSG center backs. Yeah. I think it's take your pick. Kimpembe or. Or MTT. Or no, sorry, Mtiti's not there, but uh, it's it's going to be Barcelona, right? Yeah, it's going to be Kempembe or Mtiti. Well, yeah, that's that's not great. Uh, Even if Ferran's healthy, that's not a great center back pair. And then you'll see you'll see a Hernandez brother and Pavard likely again on the um, 
fullback spots. Um, but I think like, working in France's advantage is that they're returning almost every single member of the uh, 2018 squad that won the World Cup, which is always an advantage and is, I believe, something that Germany and Spain enjoyed to a far lesser extent, uh, if at all. So the chemistry is still there. They just have to know how to work with it as they did uh, the last it, time out. And let's see if they're as hungry. They may not play with the same bike because they might not be as hungry to prove themselves. And here's the other shocker I'm ready to throw out for you guys. Um, I'm going to toss Brazil into that mix. I think that that That's a, not com- a, shocker. a combination of Serbia and Switzerland could make for some very fun, difficult games for Brazil. I think they're going to struggle to to get past Serbia and, and put goals past them in the way that they're used to. And Cameroon is not exactly a slouch. Like for for the first time, I think I'm looking at a World Cup where outside of New Zealand, if they somehow sneak past Costa Rica uh, and potentially uh, a little bit of a weakness in Qatar and Saudi Arabia, everyone else feels like that, like this roughly feels like 32 of the best teams in the world. Yes, there's a couple of of edge cases. Obviously, Italy's not here. Uh, You might, you know, slightly swap things down in South America. Uh, you might add a couple more European teams, but this generally feels like a field that doesn't have any imposters in it, as opposed to the last couple of World Cups where we've had, you know, a handful of teams where you're like, that should be, you know, three points for everyone in the group. Yeah, I want to I want to switch a little bit. And also, as we're staying on the World Cup, talking about teams that aren't going to go out. How about teams that are going to exceed our expectations that, you know, whether that is the get, getting into the round of 16 quarterfinals or making a serious run? Um Alex or Alex, do you want to start with that one? I'll start with Denmark. Uh, I think they're going to carry momentum from their incredibly impressive uh, Euros performance, and they're probably going to have Christian Eriksen back as well, I believe. Unless he's, he he's back. He's yeah. been back. He's back. Yeah. No, I know he's been back. I just didn't know if he'd like retired from international football or something. I like somehow that was stuck in my brain. But um, yeah, they're going to have Christian Eriksen back, which is just a huge morale boost for the entire team and the fans in and of itself. Um, and I think if they can carry the momentum there, again, another team that's returning most of their squad from their previous successful outing, uh, I think Denmark is ready to make another big splash. That That's a spicy one. I think you're absolutely right. They look good. Um, I'll say I think Argentina has a ch- the The one kind of la- problem I have with Argentina is I see them topping this group easily. And if France doesn't quite implode, but like, you know, say they get a draw with Denmark and them and Denmark both finish with seven points like even in a good scenario, but Denmark beats them on goal difference. Argentina could get France again in the round of 16, which would be absolutely incredible to watch uh, that. Cause if you know, remembers that four, three game in Russia, that was glorious to watch. Um, but, but I think Argentina might have a chance to, to get some revenge and, and then past that, I think their next um, knockout game would probably be against um I, it would be either Netherlands or England uh, in all likelihood. But uh, I, I think, yeah, I think they have a chance to really surprise. I also think Netherlands with the opportunity to play the second place team in group B, the the pretty gimme of a group, uh, they have some some spice to them as well in terms of uh, exceeding expectations. And I think for them, exceeding expectations means like a semifinal uh, appearance. For, for me, the, the country that screams out is Senegal. Um, very impressive at the, at the African Cup of Nations. And don't underestimate them because they've got a squad, um, you know, talent really all over the pitch, world-class talent over the pitch. Edward Mendy in goal, Champions League winner, um, Koulibaly in the midfield. They got Saar, who is a, you know, who plays on Bayern Munich. Uh, Mendy, who I believe is on Leicester City, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, uh, Mendy as well. Um, and then who else is there? Ishmael Saar. Diallo, Donaghy. 
Exactly. And then obviously Sadio Mane up front. The wingers are, if they play Mane there, their wingers are Sadio Mane and Ismail Sar. That might be one of the best wing wingers pairings in this World Cup. Like that is scary. Yeah, I mean, just the pace alone is is. Can fresh. I can I interest you in Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah? Hear me out. No, 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 no. you're not no. part of the option. Uh, I'm gonna. Okay, but gonna, but can I can I introduce a second point of contention, which is how good is security going to be in Qatar? Sir, what's, sir, what's, this is a silent option. What what's no what's what's Qatar's ability in terms of security of laser pointers getting into stadiums? <laughs> That that is a question where because that... if they have questionable security, this Senegal team can show up in force and make a solid impact on this. I'm my well, spicy take for this World Cup is that laser pointers are going to be the new Vuvuzelas. I was just going to say that I was going to say what's to be more that like uh, like that has to be what's more impactful. It's, that it's only happen. ever been a problem in in uh, the Af- in the African qualifying and African Cup of Nations. I don't like even in Concacaf you don't see that kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, that, I, I think if there are lasers being pointed, like the ref has to intervene um, because what yeah. happened what happened in that penalty shootout with Egypt was disgusting. what happened in both legs of that match. Yeah, it, it cannot happen in, in the World Cup finals. That yeah. that yeah. the refs have to intervene or. Or, you know, they just can't be allowed to the stadiums, which would be... Stadium security is... It should be better at a World Cup, um, especially in a case where, like, we kind of seen proof in the past that, like, I know Egypt is hard done by the lasers uh, and and Mo not going to a World Cup is a bummer. But um, just in general, like... Egypt has been one of the guiltier parties when it's come to using lasers as a home field advantage. Uh, so, like, I could see why the the Senegal security may may have decided to just look the other way on purpose, um, because now it's going to be an issue that gets brought up and and something that will hopefully be addressed by the African Confederation to solve that. But that, that's I think that's a pretty extensive and and comprehensive uh, talking of the World Cup. The only other thing I think I will note because it's very important: the United States plays England on Black Friday. That is the date of that game. So oh, the Lord. day after Thanksgiving, England, USA. And I was really bummed about this because I was hoping we'd end up in Group G or Group H because I wanted to see our World Cup game go opposite the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, <laughs> instead, I, it's, it's said we're still going to get some good games. I think uh, Portugal, Uruguay might be on Thanksgiving morning. Um, there, there's, and, you know... I think I I don't know if Brazil is playing that morning or later that night, but there are some spicy games going on. Uh, and conclusion is there's gonna there's gonna finally be a good sports game to watch on Thanksgiving. Don't first of all don't disrespect. I love watching the Cowboys lose. That is always a great thing to see. What about what about a uh, uh, Europa League football on Thanksgiving? I mean, come on, no no one talks about how good the Europa League Thursday is. is an underrated day. Do they play on Thanksgiving? I thought they, they usually. Do, yeah, I've seen oh. multiple Liverpool games on Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, when Liverpool beat Bordeaux in 2015, 2-1. Of course. Guys, I think, you know, everybody's freshest memory. Yeah, let's Mm -hmm. let's take that opportunity to transition to Liverpool, who uh, got to be on top of the table for exactly like two minutes before City did to Burnley what City do to Burnley. The only disappointment, I think, from City is that uh, they've dropped their average against Burnley down from five even to like, you know, four and three quarters. Yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't really um, too impressive from either team, but that's not really what's going to matter. Uh, what's going to matter is, and this is what everyone has been expecting and been looking to for probably about a month, if not more now, the game on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me. The, um, the, the huge game on Sunday, Tottenham versus uh, versus Brentford. Brentford dude, coming Brentford off a big Lions. win. 
Brentford coming Erickson, off a big Erickson win against, against Chelsea. Erickson against his former club, the biggest game on Sunday, and it's not close. Um, and not the biggest game of the weekend. The biggest game of the weekend is obviously my men's league team. Uh, but th- that's uh, <laughs> um, no. But in, in all seriousness, um, yeah, the you know the game that will probably, I would imagine, decide destination of the Premier League trophy uh, is going to be between City and Liverpool. And I. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when it comes to predictions, it, it's weird because I, I was thinking about the the result um, at City between Burnley and the fact that City are now top of the table again. And part of me would almost rather Liverpool go into this game needing to win than having to hold on for a draw. And I just I just think it suits Liverpool more, the, the way they play. I think they're best when they have to take the initiative. It, it, it's an odd one because obviously you go to the end and drawing is is – it sounds easier, but I just think in context, it for me, Liverpool benefit when, when the onus is on them. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's just how I feel. No, you're absolutely right. I, I, I think that there's three conversations as it comes down to the final weeks of the Premier League season. Obviously, it's the title race. Then you have, for fourth spot, looking like it's going to be a North London um, North London rivalry there with Man U dropping points against Leicester. But the third oh yeah! Topic, like, listen, listen, Jesse. Don't don't disrespect the fact that United may have dropped two points. Arsenal. What did Arsenal? Do? How many points they, did they drop this weekend? Well, well, no, hold on. We're, oh, we're gonna get to them. We're gonna get. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Think, let's focus on City Liverpool hold, for now, though. No, no. But I think there's another thing is that if the results don't go the way that we're thinking, let's say that City draw one and Liverpool draw, and they end up being you know tied somehow at the end of the season. Liverpool's got a five, our five bigger on goal differential. I know that's not being talked about now, but when points are so close and there's still a number of games left that, you know, can really move around, there's a draw here, a draw there. Um, yeah, I mean, those teams, I think I, it's I, a massive discussion. And when we talk about those cities only winning 2 nothing, um this weekend, I mean, this was a chance for them to go put up a 5 nothing spot lesser that goal differential in the same way that Tottenham just won five, one and Arsenal lost three, nothing making it much tougher for them. Same thing here. Yeah. And the thing is with, with city as well, right. When you look at besides this fixture, um, I don't think it's inconceivable that well, really that either team would drop points. I mean, I think for, for Liverpool, um, the game that concerns me most is that game at top is a game, sorry, against Tottenham at Anfield, which I will be attending. Um, but you know, you look at the form that Tottenham's in, uh, their ability to play balls over the top behind that line, um, particularly, you know, Kane playing those balls to Son. Uh, Liverpool play a high line, so definitely possibilities for Tottenham to, Tottenham to exploit them there. And then City still have to go away to West Ham, who are definitely out of the top four race by now, but still one of the tougher grounds to play at, no question. And they're away at Wolves, and Wolves have shown in the past few years that they can make a point or two off Manchester City. So... Again, I do think it comes down to the game at the Etihad on on Sunday, but there are definitely other games that you know where either team could drop points. Yeah, and and let's not forget that these teams will face each other again. Yeah, on the sixteenth in an FA Cup semifinal. So yeah, and then who knows what's going to happen to the Champions League either? But they are on the opposite side of the bracket, so if they do meet, it would be in the final. Um, long way to go until then, but. Definitely just adds another element. So, so into uh, what I was affectionately referring to with Akshay as something of a mud wrestling competition where I don't think there are going to be any win. Like not, not like a mud wrestling competition that you want to watch, like three 50-year-old dudes mud wrestling. 
uh, in like speedos. United, Tottenham, and Arsenal. I wouldn't be surprised if the winner is uh, the winner of the kind of fourth place spot is not the team that uh, succeeds the most, but the team that uh, shits themselves the least. Uh, and United did a good job of uh, shitting themselves on Sunday, and then Arsenal won up to them pretty impressively, I might add. Uh, with a three 0 loss, and and then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, you know Newcastle finally decided to uh, you know the clock struck midnight and uh, the carriage turned back into a pumpkin, and it was bad news for them. Um, and, yeah, Tottenham ran all over them, which we'll see. We're it's we're going to come down to a final schedule. There's United still have to play Arsenal, uh, which will be a huge six points, uh, I think, in two weekends from now, but. There's a bunch More, of games scheduled it for May 12th. Tottenham they, still play Arsenal. By they, the way. they answered. Yeah, United Arsenal. No, sorry, sorry Arsenal. not United well, Arsenal. No, Tottenham. no, no. So yeah, United Arsenal, I believe, is scheduled for the 16th still, or the 17th. Uh, no, no, April 23rd. Chelsea. They, okay, Arsenal have a after. very tough schedule coming up. Um, Brian, they they play Brian, who are no schlub themselves, at Stanford Bridge, at the Emirates for Man U away at West Ham, though that's back-to-back-to-back games in Chelsea are that Man U and West Ham. And then they have to go to Tottenham Stadium. To, as far as I'm concerned, the two biggest games of the year for Arsenal are Arsenal versus Tottenham at the Emirates and Arsenal versus Tottenham at Tottenham Stadium because you got to beat them at both. But that this schedule for Arsenal is really tough. And Alex, I told you that Arsenal were going to struggle when we spoke against Crystal Palace. I told you that they did not look sharp against them the first time they played them. Patrick Fierro's had their team um, playing really good football. And this was the type of game where after a two-week break of winning games but not playing impressively, it finally caught up to them because they looked really bad. The second thing I want to go over, I've, I've complimented Arteta a lot. Um, everyone looked terrible to me today, but uh, a few things. Number one is it was clear that Ramsdale wasn't fully healthy with the way that he played. We have an excellent backup in Burnt Leto. I don't understand why we need to rush Ramsdale back, especially in, even though he's played great this season, his form actually has dipped if you've really watched Arsenal play recently. There's been a, definitely a few games, including the Liverpool game. I don't know if he could have done anything about any of the goals today, but his distribution was shaky. The, um, the, uh, the cohesiveness at the back was terrible. So I, they almost kind of had it coming today. Um, and second, this kind of exposed them for their front line that has just been lack of scoring goals. I didn't see Lacazette have one good chance. At, at, you know, how many games does a top team in the Prem have their striker with not even a halfway good chance in a game? So, you know, credit all credit to Crystal Palace, but Arsenal really got exposed today for, um, you know, playing really mediocre football over the last few weeks and just coming away with victories. On the other hand, again, we've shit on Conte a lot. If they make top four, uh, you have to consider it a really successful season for our Tottenham and a really successful job for Conte, right? No, you absolutely do. I mean, you know, again, it's, it's not as if this competition was that great, but it's not as if the situation that Conte walked into was that great. Um, it was arguably even worse. So I think if, if you look at the, the, the football Tottenham are playing right now, um, the run they're on, it's certainly very possible. Uh, you know, it's what they're level in points with Arsenal. Arsenal do have a game in hand, but they draw that. Um, even if they even if they win their game in hand, it's a three point difference. Uh, and Arsenal still have you know they have to play away, like you mentioned, Jesse, at um, at Chelsea. Uh, I believe away at West Ham, 
and away at Tottenham. So it's not like Tottenham Spurs have very much the easiest space. schedule either. Spurs have to, obviously we talked about Alex, you'll get to see them. They have to go to Anfield. You can probably chalk that up as a loss right now. Um, ah. they're, they're hosting Arsenal in what will be possibly the deciding game. Um, but then right before that, they have uh, Leicester to play as well. They have a Brentford team that we've just seen be lethal and take some points uh, away from Chelsea. Uh, they have to play Brighton. They have to play Villa. Their last two games of the season will be against Burnley and Norwich. But the the run of eight games or sorry, six games until then is not an easy gauntlet by any stretch. No, but it's easier than what Arsenal have. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and and. But the thing is that Arsenal at least have the ball in their court with United and Tottenham on the schedule. Uh, I think it's, it's funny. All three of these teams get a chance to play, uh, play the schedule in front of them and, and only really have themselves to blame in terms of if they don't get it. If Arsenal don't get it, we'll be able to point to some moments where they lost some key games. If United don't get it, which they won't, uh, we'll be able to point to some key moments where they lost games. And if Tottenham don't get it, we'll be able to point to key moments where they lost. Like everyone's got it to play for in front of them. I expect every one of these teams to drop at least seven points between now and the end of the year. Um, so if someone doesn't, then they can win it. And how much of a then, chance could United have? Uh, um, can I answer that question after we play Arsenal? No, you have to answer it now. Uh, I don't know. One in 10. Yeah, I mean, honestly. United, I almost put Tottenham and Arsenal in a tier just above United. United are the outsiders. I think it's the two main competitors, the two main parties in this race are are the two North London clubs. Well, me. of course, because Ars- I mean, Arsenal are tied with Tottenham with a game in hand. Um, and Man U are tied with Tottenham. Uh, sorry, are three points down uh, with Arsenal having game in hand in them. Tottenham being three points above them. So, of course, that Tottenham have to be um, and Arsenal have to be above Man U. Just with, you know, not forget the run of form. Just in terms of the position that they're in. Yeah, things will things will definitely uh, get interesting. Let's talk about the other end of the table because I wanted to bring up. Um, we've got at the bottom Everton with two games in hand, just above the relegation zone. It's currently Burnley in 18, Wofford in 19, and Norwich saying goodbye. Uh, Norwich, I think we can all assume have already uh, punched their ticket to the championship and and their attempt to yo-yo back up again next year. But can we talk about Everton's schedule for a minute? Because they literally only play team between now and May 11th. They only play games against teams where either this is a very difficult game for them or it's a team or it's a relegation six pointer. Wednesday, they get Burnley. The weekend, they host United. Then they play Leicester. That's a tough game for them. Then they have to go to Anfield. Then they host Chelsea. Then they have to go to the King Power Stadium and rematch with Leicester. And then they go to Watford. That's seven games right there against the two teams they're in competition for. And then five games I think we'd all expect them to lose. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I I think it is fair to say at this point, they probably are the favorites for for the drop. Um, Just on that schedule alone, their form hasn't been, I mean, the form's been atrocious. Um, I, there, you know, also you have to look at the manager Lampard is not a manager who has proven that he can get his team out of these sort of tricky situations. So I think that's, that's something to take into account as well is who's managing Watford right now, Roy Hodgson, right? So I think that actually is, is a big boost. I, I really do think the managers have a big role to play, um, in relegation battles. And, and we've seen in the past few years when guys like Tony Pulis have come in, 
Um, Roy Hawkson, Sam Allardyce is obviously the biggest name on that list. And they turned it around. Um, so for me, I, I think I, I I think I could just see Watford maybe beating the drop. Um, you know, they, they are ahead of Burnley right now. Burnley have a couple of games in hand. But when it comes down to... Everton have two in hand on Watford. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's fair. But when it comes to when it comes to who, which managers you you think are the more likely to get their team out of a tricky situation, Frank Lampard, Sam, Al, uh, uh, Roy Hoxson, or Sean Dyche, Lampard's at the bottom of that list. I, I agree, Alex. But at this point, slightly a numbers game, and Everton are three points up with two games in hand. Um, and the manager managers can only do so much with when it comes to you know right. But who are those games at hand? They're, they're going to lose. Yeah. They're going to lose those games at hand. I, I guess really the exciting thing is the fact that all these teams play each other. Watford and Burnley have a date at the end of April. Watford and Everton have a date in early to mid May. Like all three of these teams still have a game to go against both of the other teams at the drop. And my goodness, if that's not going to be the best football of the Prem this year. It could yeah. be. I was going to say, Watford's schedule is not is not easy by any means either. Next up, they have an informal Leeds. Then they go face Brentford, who are also on the up and up. Then they face City. That's a guaranteed loss. And then, Jeff, like you said, they finish out the season playing Burnley and Everton within uh, two of their last three games. And in between that is Crystal Palace, who, again, are not an opponent that I think you would expect Watford to get past easily. So it's not like any of the relegation-threatened teams have an easy path to safety. Here's uh, a... Here's a weird thing as we get close to championship Sunday at the end of May, Watford have Chelsea. Uh, and I actually think that's a positive for them. There's a very strong chance. Chelsea have literally zero to play for and just play the babies in, in match 38. They, they'll probably have been locked into third mathematically. And, and at that point, we've seen teams do that before where they literally just play the kids um, on, on championship Sunday when they have literally nothing to play for. So we could see that potentially happening. Um, on the other hand, I'm pretty sure Everton are playing Arsenal on the last day, who will almost assuredly have everything to play for uh, as, as things come down the stretch. So Wofford, you know, they, they might be circling that Chelsea game along with their two matchups with the relegation fodder. They'll probably still be saying we can get a point from Brentford. Um, you know, they'll probably hopefully be looking at Crystal Palace, who may not have anything, in, you know, to play for it, probably don't really anymore in May and you know, hoping to nick some points there. Uh, and, and let's not forget, you ruled out the City game. Per, obviously, it's not one that you expect them to get any points. But it's not like they haven't uh, they haven't thrown their hat around and, and nicked points off, uh, you know, off, off teams trying to make undefeated runs and, and, you know, have a little fun. It's, it's true. But I think if you look at Everton, they should be by far under the most pressure to be able to stay up at the top of the table. You have too much talent there that if they drop, will automatically leave. Van de Beek will be gone. For Charles he's Sam. gone anyway. He's on loan. You're right. He'll be, but the chance of him, him getting signed, zero. Deli Ali, no. Richardson, no. Um, DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, not a chance. I think he's gone regardless. Um, Allen in midfield, no. Like um, Pickford, Pickford's okay. He's just mediocre, but he's probably gone as well. <laughs> But he's, yeah, he's not a championship keeper. You just named name pretty much half their starting squad. Would it almost, if I'm Everton's ownership, would I almost be thinking at this point it might be more convenient to go down and just rebuild from there? No, no, you're, you still want that. You're losing sweet. so many of your best players. No, but, but you those could are players. Them regardless. If you want to lose them, just sell them. Who cares? Yeah. Actually, they'll get sold for pennies on the dollar if they all have uh, relegation release clauses. 
That like that's the problem. Is some of these guys are still under contract. Pickford's still under contract. Richarlison's still under contract. Allen's still under contract. Those are guys that you would lose for pennies on the dollar. The the option of signing Deli Alley or signing uh Van de Beek fall apart when you enter the championship. And uh, yeah, Jesse's absolutely right. They're the ones that are gonna suffer because they're under pressure. Watford, no one really expects them to stay up. And Burnley, it's been a hell of a run, but I think right now, um, People kind of expect him to go down. Sean Dice will be telling his men that, you know, people have, have ruled them out and said they're not good enough and, you know, they're not expensive enough. They're not technical. He'll be motivating them by saying, you know, look at the Everton players. Look at the amount of money they make. Look at, you know, how much the media loves all those players. We can still send them down and stay up. Like, there's motivation factors for those two teams. And with Everton, it's only negative pressure. And, and with Burnley, I might add, you know, I, I was – I kind of had them in that drop, but I'm looking at their schedule. I'm, I'm almost reconsidering that here because they have a much more welcoming set of opponents that include Norwich, Southampton, Watford, Wolves, Villa, Newcastle. Um, they play Villa twice. So, you know, definitely the easiest, probably uh, between Watford, Everton, and, and themselves. Sure. Definitely have the easiest run in. Um, no question yeah. about that. I mean, circle, circle Wednesday as a huge game um, against Burnley that like, that, that's one that you got to be be ready to say, you know, if, if Everton lose that, like if Burnley go out and get all three points, now we're talking that if Everton win, I think we can almost make it a two horse race as tough as Everton's schedule is, it, you know, overcoming that level of points is difficult in the span of seven games. But yeah, if, if Burnley win that game, the, you know, so start playing the dramatic music. Absolutely. Um, I think lastly, in terms of Burnley Watford, Burnley's also got two games in hand on Watford. Big, big, big deal there. Um, Why don't we go into very quickly the the next features of EPL for the final week, for next week, for quick predictions, and then we can wrap it up. I believe. um, Champions League this week. Oh, true. Uh, Sorry. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's speed run it, though, because we are getting close to an hour. All right, so for the Premier League this week coming up, uh, let's do it. Let me pull up the fixers right now. So the Champions Um, League starting tomorrow, we have Benfica, Liverpool, and City at Letty. Yeah, um, for Benfica, Liverpool, I believe Liverpool are away from home. um, But, you know, I'm I'm confident that, that they get the job done here. Um, I, I think 2-0 probably seems like a reasonable result. Liverpool haven't re- – their performances haven't been great. Um, but I think when it comes to the bigger occasions and w- when they're pushed, I, they, they can step up. And I kind of looked at that game against Arsenal where they were on the back foot for the first leg, um, but they really turned up a gear uh, in, in the second half. And they showed they can just they, – they, this team, even throughout the past few years – can can elevate their level very very quickly um and when there's a lot on the line so let's in a game like this i see them progressing i i'm gonna actually i'm gonna take a draw here and i think liverpool blow them out at anfield but i'm gonna take a draw here in part because i think klopp will have absolutely circled uh the game on sunday and said i'm gonna rest guys tactically i'm already gonna be thinking about that game um and they have the luxury of doing that against benfica they can they can say a draw is good enough, especially a you know a nil-nil draw, and say you know I dare you to come to Anfield and beat us over 120 minutes, uh, with all the benefits that come with playing at home at Anfield. Whereas City on the other side of the aisle are at home 
against Atleti, and they know how hard it's going to be to try and go play against Simeone in Madrid. They're going to need to win this first game so that Madrid has so that Atleti have to come out and play on the front foot at home and and kind of you know force them out of their shell. If if Atleti win this first game, uh, they're going through. I, it's it's one of those things that I don't think even City's breaking that team down at home. Um, and so I think City have to play for a win, whereas Liverpool, at least in terms of their lineup, can play a, you know a less than full team and and be okay with the draw. I show you what happened here. Very good. Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. Um, Atletico certainly, you know, it's the Etihad. We we make all the jokes about the Etihad, so we know that Atletico has every chance of winning at Manchester City. Um, and yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. I think Liverpool does not have to put their full uh, consideration into this first leg, both because of, uh, you know, all respect to Benfica, but both because of the quality of opponent that they're facing uh, and also because of the, you know, vastly more important fixture they have coming up. So it uh, should be, you know, relatively comfortable legs for uh, both away teams. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, it's no, you know, it's no Everton Burnley, but there are a couple games to watch on Wednesday as well. Um, there's Chelsea, Real Madrid in London. And I mean, Chelsea have shown they're on a pretty rough, rough patch right now. Um, they ha- they have more slithered towards the top four race than kind of hanging around at the end of the title race. Well, th- for Chelsea here, they're going to have to, against Real Madrid, they're going to really have to step it up. And I think it starts with having the right tactics against a team like Real Madrid. Um, speak, I speak about it a lot on this program, but when you strong defend, you know, strong enough defenders for Real Madrid, I think you got to beat them with pace and skill and elusiveness. So I look to see, you know, Havertz start with Mount and Ziyech as a front three, have a strong holding with Conte and probably, I actually think, Jorginho over Kovacic and Kovacic coming in. And then a back three that's strong with Rudiger on the right side to cover for Vinicius's speed, um, Tiago Silva. And then you could kind of pick and choose on the left side, whether it's Christian, um, Christensen or Chalaba or whoever else um, you want on that side. So I think it really comes down to the tactics that Chelsea play to still play their style of football, but kind of hone in on Real Madrid strengths and kind of block them as much as possible. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I almost expect you to see kind of a very fast-breaking – like, I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea's front three is, is Timo, Christian, and, and Havertz just because they're the kinds of guys that are going to be making those runs deep. And, you know, if they want to play on the, on the quick hit, those are the three guys that will get in behind that will kind of run into space and create problems. I, I really don't expect to see Lukaku. Um, you might see Mount in one of those spots. Um, Ziek, I, I almost expect to be like a 60th minute sub if they're chasing the game and, and need a goal uh, from a position of, you know, being down uh, rather than at a draw. I'm with you on that, particularly with, um, you know, Kai, uh, not Kai Havertz. Uh, well, Kai Havertz should be in the lineup, but Pulisic and Werner, because we saw how effectively Chelsea used them in both legs against Real Madrid last season. Um, their pace really caused Madrid a lot of, um, lots of problems, both of them getting on the score sheet. And I think it played, you know, having those sort of outlets of, of pace and trickery on the wing played a big role in Chelsea winning quite comfortably. Now, Ravager are definitely a lot stronger this season, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're Chelsea, I think Pulisic is, is a must starter. Um, 
Kai Havertz definitely. Uh, I mean, regardless of who you're playing, Kai Havertz has to start. Uh, and I don't think it hurt to, to give Werner a shot on the wing either. And and I saw a fun stat about Werner because, you know, I can't go an entire episode without sneaking X goals into here. Uh, since arriving at Chelsea, he's produced uh, five goals on 15 X goals in the Prem, I believe. That's Im- like, like normally with expected goals, what you kind of expect is that most players will average out to what their X goals are over the course of multiple seasons. Uh, occasionally you'll get strikers who are just elite finishers, right? The, uh, the Lewandowski's back in the day, like a, a Van Persie, that, that tier of striker where it's just, they score, they're just better than the average person. So they're better than what you would expect. Uh, Harry Kane, I believe consistently outperforms his XG as well, but it's one of those things where maybe we just have to own that the, uh, Werner's a, that terrible a finisher. And he, you know, he's only good for about a third as, uh, as powerful a chance as everyone else gets. And he has to create three times as many chances to score. Right. But Werner, I, I think where, where his value to the team is, is sort of making those runs and kind of uh, acting as a decoy. Um, oh, I mean, I don't want to compare him to Benzema because that's ridiculous. But I think Werner, his pace uh, out wide is is a massive asset, uh, and his movement will he will draw defenders to him, and that frees up space for Pulisic, frees up space for for Kai Havertz. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. It's not I so wouldn't be surprised. That's that's going to make the difference here. It's more just his movement, and and what he the space that'll free up for the other for the other two forward players, whoever they are. We could see him up top and and using his kind of starts in the center and runs to a wide position to kind of open up space for Christian or Havertz to, to come in uh, off the wing and kind of cut inside off of the space he creates by dragging a center back wide. Um, and then anyone expect Villarreal to do anything against Bayern? Nope. Yes. Not. There yes. we go. Jesse's getting spicy. Absolutely. Villarreal consistently are good in big, big match games and tournaments. I think that they're going to give Bayern a run for their money. A Bayern All team, right. by the way, that has been in decent form. Um, just not, not, not their best this season. So they've been in decent form, but they're, they don't look unbeatable that they have in previous seasons. So yes, I think Villarreal will give them a run for their money. And I expect a masterclass performance from the good evening manager, Unai Emery. All right. Uh, I think no one, the rest of us probably expect Byron to win this game 5-1. Yeah. Uh, maybe not 5-1, but put a shellacking on him. Hey, this is the same person. I think Villarreal will real. score, but not yeah. nearly as much as Byron will. Yeah, and, and you right. know, Byron, their form hasn't been spectacular, but they're still good enough for him to be Villarreal. If, if you want to get into, like, the fact that they've drawn the odd game here and there, that's more of a concern when they play a Liverpool or, or a City or Real Madrid. Not so much when they play Villarreal. And let's not forget, this is a Bayern team that uh, that won their round of 16, 8 to 2. Yeah, but the 7 1 <laughs> victory at home to Salzburg. That was, I mean, Jesse's got PTSD. I said, you know, I talk about teams getting absolutely rear ended by Bayern, and, and he's ready to, you know, log off and yeah, get out of here. His camera's all over the place here. <laughs> you really triggered him. But uh, finally, we've got, um, obviously, we've got uh, Burnley hosting Everton midweek. That's a huge game for Burnley to have at home. Uh, that, that's a big factor. But in terms of match week 32, which will take place on the weekend, we've got, Alex, you might as well let you pick anyways, but the rest of us have to pick a team to stay undefeated. Um, and and we got to keep going with our picks. I think I've used uh, <laughs> Chelsea, City, Liverpool, and United so far. So I have to kind of get a little more creative this week. But we've got Newcastle hosting Wolves. Uh, Newcastle, 
good form until last week, until, you know, post-international break, they may have uh, finally turned back into a pumpkin. Wolves have been weirdly up and down this year. Everton hosts United. Watford hosts Leeds in a game that I think Leeds has pretty much evaded the drop at this point, but this will be the cherry on top if they go to Watford and get a win. This will, It'll be the icing on the cake of, of Jesse Marsh's uh, claim to being a better manager than, than Marcelo Bielsa. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, one of them was going to get Leeds sent down, the other one's keeping him up, and that's, you know, that's how we know that Americans are, are really ready for the international stage, baby. Um, <laughs> we've got Southampton. Exactly. We've got Southampton hosting Chelsea. Um, and you never know with this Chelsea team, especially if they go full wind into a Wednesday game and then they play Saturday. Well, let's, you know, maybe Southampton have something up their sleeve. Chelsea, have, you know, dropped the Prem game recently. We we barely mentioned the fact that the Bees beat the snot out of them. Arsenal hosting Brighton. Jesse, uh, I mean, Brighton are, Brighton are sneaky, but you expect... Uh, Brighton are sneaky in the same way Palace are sneaky. So let me... Do you think Arsenal going to struggle in this one as well? I do, actually. I think that they're going to struggle. I think that they'll win. But th- this is a team, when they played Brighton, that they were lucky for a 0-0 draw. Um, Brighton have played them tough for years. Um, Arsenal won, I believe, the year before with a uh, super sub from Lacazette scoring on the first touch for a one nothing game on a game that Brian felt that they could have done better. Um, you're at least should have gotten a result from. So yeah, Brian play Arsenal top. Um, if it's any most- help, if it's any help, Brighton's last five games have been loss, 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 draw against Norwich. Well, this is, that's exactly why it's the perfect time for them to turn it around against <laughs> Arsenal. Um, but no, I actually do think this game's going to be a tough one here. Can anyone tell that this is a man that's been hurt before and not not willing to trust his teammate? I just told you they lost four straight and then drew Norwich, and the first thing he said is they're going to turn it around against Arsenal. I mean, what better team to turn it around against? <laughs> I don't know. You could be playing United. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking <laughs> of prior pain. Um, but I mean, have, have I used tough schedule. Not, I'm using guys, Chelsea. Chelsea United. will not lose against Southampton. Um, you're using Chelsea, who, who you're saying won't lose against Southampton. I think that's probably yes, a good as long pick. As I don't think I've used them before. I haven't used them before. No, you haven't. Um, I'm using my Chelsea. I, I Listen, I know Everton somehow have their own juju that's even worse than United's this year in terms of trying to get them sent down. Uh, and I expect United to win that game. But anyone remember, I think it was eh, two years ago. Uh, it might have been last year. The Everton 4-0 beatdown of United at Goodison. Yes. Speaking um, of higher paid. Yeah, I have I'm I'm ready to exercise a few demons in this game. I'd love to become uh the kind of I remember that that Lukaku uh United season where he just signed and we came out 4-0 FC. We were 16 and 0 after the first four games. Uh so please can we do that again? Uh can we exercise this demon become 4-0 FC in the positive against Everton? Uh but I didn't get to the rest of the fixtures. Tottenham have to go to Villa Park, which is not an easy task. That Villa team, uh, their form isn't great. You know, one, two, and then lost their last three. But they have the talent to to give Conte some problems. Uh, Leicester hosting Crystal Palace. Norwich hosting Burnley. If Norwich want to make a great escape, it starts with a win against Burnley on Sunday. I don't think they will, but in in the players' heads, if you want to make a great escape, it starts right now. Finally, we have Brentford hosting West Ham uh, in, you know, what is probably the least sexy London derby that you could possibly imagine at maybe Brentford Palace. But 
this is about as unsexy as it gets when it comes to a London Derby. And, and then there's, I think that's it. I think that's all 10 games. I, I don't think there's anything else. Yeah, not, not too much that really sticks out um, sticks out to you. I mean, I think the... the Oh, no, there's also the Man City-Liverpool game. I was joking, Alex. Yeah. Of the games you already discussed, I meant like of the games you already discussed. But yeah, um, you know, not too much really sticks out other than the, than the Norwich-Burnley game for me. Um, you know, a relegation six-pointer if you would consider that Norwich maybe still have a chance. But... Again, it should be pretty straightforward for for United. Should be a win for Chelsea. Should be a win for Tottenham for Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I don't yeah, it's much to. I mean, I think the big one's really City Liverpool. This this weekend is really, I think, the Premier League's coming down to 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 the three races we've talked about. But the relegation race isn't really on this weekend, so it's it's a Wednesday that we care about the relegation race. Then we move up the table to Saturday at seven thirty with United, ten o'clock with Arsenal. Arsenal and then 1230 with Villa Tottenham. So you could probably watch all three and get a great picture on how the top four is going to shake out. And then Sunday at 1130, uh, maybe the boys that are in New York might get together, go watch this game somewhere. I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, it is Palm Sunday, so I have to respect my Christianity and go to church, Um, but I'll be out by 11. So I'm down to, you know, go catch the second half at a bar somewhere. Yeah, I'll be big church guy. Big, big church guy. I'll go to a bar like a suit. Walk, walk out of church and straight into a bar. Yeah, you're gonna respect We're gonna we're gonna cheers in Jesus' name. Okay. Hey, 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 Jesse. As you know, Christianity is under attack in the United States of America. It's under assault. It's true. It's true. What's that? What's that brilliant, brilliant, uh, famous uh, quote that I've heard from some sort, some some modern philosopher who's once said, "Life starts when the church ends." Modern modern philosopher. I don't know much. Jay-Z. Jordan Peterson. Jay-Z. Jordan Peterson. Oh my. <laughs> now Jordan Peterson would be advocate. He would be like insisting on church. He'd be like, yeah. life ends as soon as you exit the church. Now that's 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 Jay-Z. And and three lines later, he's he's rapping about, you know, mommy got her bust out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let, let's get let's get back on topic for last. Who's your that that is on topic, baby. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no such thing as talking time? about Christianity and church and being off topic. Um, but let, yeah, let's, let's get some of our predictions. What are our predictions for City of Liverpool here? Well, hold on, hold on. No, no. We have hold to on, go yeah. into something you're not involved in, okay? Yeah, so, yeah. We, we got to – has got Chelsea. I have Chelsea. You, you have Chelsea as well? See, I have used my Chelsea pick, which means I feel like I'm on the chopping block this week because I the first two teams I want to pick are Chelsea and United. Um which means that things get very, very, very tough for me. Have I you picked have me top- down for Chelsea not losing, correct? Because I yes. don't trust. Yeah, Chelsea goal. not losing. Okay, good. Um, I mean, I think I might just continue to slowly, slowly work my way down the table and just kind of play it safe. Um, uh, so I'll take. Uh, do I really want Tottenham not losing? Is that really the pick I want? I've already yes. used Tottenham. What could go wrong if picking Tottenham not to lose? You know what? Give me Tottenham not to lose because if they lose, I'll be happy. That, there, we <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yep, I love that mindset. If okay. I'm out, at least Tottenham lost. Man, how funny would it be if I pick Brighton not to lose? <laughs> but no, I'll take Tottenham. Um, and, and Alex is right. Let's at least put predictions in for City Liverpool. I'll start 1 1. Um, 1-1 one, one with VAR missing a penalty call for Liverpool. 
So Liverpool should have gotten the penalty. It's right. a pretty clear handball, uh, but it doesn't get called. That, that'll be my take. 1-1 with VAR robbing Liverpool, giving Alex something to complain about after I saw uh, Vlahovic go down in what was a fall-on-to-floor nomination. Yeah, um, I, I, when I first saw that Vlahovic, <laughs> that foul on Vlahovic, I, I was like, I was convinced it was a penalty, but on, on replay. The, no, 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 no. The one where he got hit in the face and then fell over and like stops, looks at the guy who like accidentally flicked him in the face and then falls over like he's been shot. Weekend? Yeah. I don't know why. Oh, Alex, you may not have noticed it, but uh, but go back and, and find that replay. It looks like like he, he gets smacked in the face very lightly by a player who's like throwing both his arms up in confusion. And then he gets smacked. He like feels it. He's like, wait, what happened? He and looks over, got, sees who hit him. In the face by Lautaro Martinez, and Martinez didn't get sent <laughs> off for that, but we don't have to talk about I that. I mean, he, um, he looks over, sees who hit him, and then like slowly falls over like – like he's trying not to get hurt while he's pretending to be hurt. I honestly, I prefer not to talk about Juventus uh, because <laughs> gosh, are they awful? Um, but on a team that's actually good and can actually, you know, is, is it within a shout of winning trophies that matter? Um, look, my in my head, uh, I'm going to go one one uh, between Liverpool and City, but because I have to back my team, um, I'm going to go two one. I, I, I cannot, oh, boo! I cannot, I cannot go into this not being optimistic about Liverpool. That's so, not backing your team. One, even though in my head, I. I the score is is one one. Where's the six nil prediction I had you down for before this started? I, in, my, in, my, in my Liverpool career mode, I beat Man City seven one at the Etihad. So there's that. But yeah, beat them like they were Brazilian. Goddamn. Alex had Alex also had uh, his career mode on rookie mode on rookie. For, <laughs> for the, I, I literally I play on ultimate. I'm not even joking. I play on ultimate. Right. I mean FIFA. Jeff, what happened when we played in FIFA? Who won that? Absolutely zero cap was spoken. Yeah, Alex, you know I was um, I was the better player that game. You, I, I, I actually, I was, I was, Alex, I was away from home. I was away Ox- from home, <laughs> literally, and in FIFA. I come to your turf and win. Come on, Jack. Hold on, Ox, I really quick, Alex. We all know who the best FIFA player is yeah. on this call by a mile. Okay, I'm, so I'm, I'm that that of hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You and I drew, if I remember correctly. When we I never it. played. I don't think. Oh, I'm pretty played. sure we played. No, we didn't play. No, actually, uh, we played. Akshay, it sounds like you have to come out here and we got to get a little FIFA tournament going this summer. Yeah, dude, if I can get used to new... I haven't played since FIFA 18, so... Akshay, by the way, my my men's league team needs a goalkeeper, so if you want to fly out here every weekend, um, you know... We'd love to have right. transportation costs covered. There's probably a 70% chance you get injured if you play in goal. That's true. So. We've, had two, we've had two keepers and both of them have got injured. Rest you guys are like the drummers from Spinal Tap. They just explode spontaneously. Chris is injured. Uh, I'll, I'll take this next one. Two nothing city. Absolute route. Um, they're they're gonna they're gonna piss on Liverpool okay. and ex- exploit them for the fact that City are by far the better team and should have always this race should have never been close. Um, Liverpool don't lose this game. them to control the game. De Bruyne is gonna score, and I will go with a goal from Mares as well if he starts. I'm assuming he does start, but yeah, I don't I don't think this game. I think Liverpool will have their chances. They're gonna prove to be by far the better team. I, I, I think I disagree. Is I agree with Alex. Uh, because Salah has been in, in a, he's been a bit shaky, I gotta say. Um, but you know, not great. I would love to see Klopp rest him against Benfica. I, I think the dude just needs a rest. I think between Afcon, um, all the dramatic uh, qualifiers, he he just needs some time to to get his head. He right. did. He did in fact play not ninety minutes, not one hundred and twenty minutes, but a combined two hundred and ten minutes against Senegal, and then missed a penalty. 
So yeah, yeah. Give, oh, give Jeff, what, Jeff, what do you think about that prediction? Um, I mean, I'm Team Meteor, right? Like, there's this is like if Alabama was playing Michigan in the college football natty. Like, you could just end me, right? Like, I'd, I'd rather not. Uh, I, I really, you know, it would it would please me greatly if a meteor struck this game. Um, or, or or we could find out both teams have been involved in a cheating scandal, and we could retroactively award like a couple of titles to United. <laughs> just, I don't know. Let's figure something out. Actually, give us a prediction so we can get out of here and I can stop coming up with crazy shit to say. Um, I actually agree with Alex. I think it's going to be 2-1 Liverpool. Um, I think that Klopp will rest Salah uh, for the game against Benfica, and then he's going to come back with a vengeance on the weekend, and he's going to be back at his usual greatness, and he's going to carry Liverpool through uh, with extra motivation uh, to score a brace uh, due to an early goal by City. So I think City will jump in front early on, uh, and then Liverpool will come back to win 2-1. Mm-hmm interesting all right well as the only person with a draw here um i'll tell you all you're idiots so uh on that note yeah i think we've covered everything it's to to sign off is it not it is in fact time for these idiots to sign off uh from four idiots to whatever goons are listening uh we love our handful of listeners but um same time you're listening to us so you can't be that smart (laughs) Exactly. Well, on that note, um, I mean, as much as we love you, uh, you're also idiots. So uh, from from four idiots to <laughs> however many, I'm Alex Perry alongside Jesse Levine, Jeff Azerhauser, and Akshay Wadwani, who I think is laughing his ass off, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> or doing something. But until then, we will see you next Monday. Take care. Bye.